Hi, I'm Alex Rubit, and you're listening to Grace to Your World. If this is your first time joining me, this ministry is all about providing you with an understanding of the grace of God, which will empower you to change your world and to live the overcoming life. You see, God wants us to live in victory. Yet in order for us to do so, we must have an understanding of His unconditional love and His unmerited favor that has been made available to us through the finished works of Jesus Christ. And so I truly believe this is going to bless you today. Now to find out more about our ministry and to access other free resources, simply head to alexrubitministries.org. And with that being said, let's get into today's teaching. And so, friends, if you want to uh, turn in your Bibles with me, I want to start off today in the book of Romans, chapter 11, uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 4. Excuse me, verse 6. Romans, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. And uh, I want to talk to you today about something very profound. I really want to share with you, as we're talking about the Spirit of grace, I want to share with you today how grace teaches us how grace teaches us. You see, the way we understand this, the Bible says, I'll show you in a moment, that uh, grace is teaching us, that the grace of God uh, teaches us. Now, the question is, how does grace teach us? And you see, the way that a person will answer this question is going to indicate how well that person understands this covenant of grace uh, that we are under. Uh, and so what I want to do today is I want to start off with a very radical statement. I'm going to start off with a radical statement, and then I'm going to go ahead and explain it. Amen. Now, the statement is this. Nothing in the Christian life is ever earned. Nothing in the Christian life is ever earned, and we will never be able to take credit for any of the good that comes to us as a result of our faith in Jesus. Let me say it again. Nothing in the Christian life is ever earned and we will never be able to take credit for any of the good that comes to us as a result of our faith in Jesus. In other words, no matter the good that shows up in your life as a result of your faith in Jesus, whether that is healing or deliverance or uh, prosperity or any other promise of scripture, I want you to understand that you will never be able to take credit uh, for that. In other words, We won't be able to say, well, Alex, the reason this happened is because I I kept the Ten Commandments, amen? Uh, Or the reason that this happened is because I stayed up all night and I prayed. I mean, I prayed really hard, and that's why this happened. No, friend, that is not how this works. Now, am I saying don't pray? Of course not. Am I saying don't live uh, a, a godly lifestyle? Of course not, amen? But I want you to understand that the blessing of God doesn't manifest in your life in proportion to your performance. The blessing of God doesn't manifest in your life in proportion to your performance. Now, this is a radical statement, and it is equally as radical to understand that we can never mix works and grace. We can never mix the the law, the works of the law, performance. We can never mix that with the grace of God. Look at uh, this verse here in Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 6, which is uh, where he says this. He says, and if by grace, watch this now, I want you to really see this, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. 
pretty clear, right? If, and if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. <laughs> Praise God. And, and he says, and but if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. And so what he's saying is then that if it's by grace, it's not of works, because if it is, then grace is no more grace, and vice versa. In other words, if, 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 if the goodness of God, if the blessings of God show up by grace, it wasn't by your works. And if the blessing of God shows up by your works, which, by the way, it does and it can't, then it is no more of grace, because in that case, work would no, more, would no more be work. And so what he's saying is that grace and works can't be combined. You know, you can't have a little bit of grace and a little bit, a little bit of uh, performance. They actually cancel each other out. Now, friends, this is very radical, because the truth is that there's a lot of mixtures going on in churches these days. There's a lot of uh, mixing of the covenants. There's a lot of uh, mixing of grace with performance. In other words, uh, the grace of God is available, but you still got to keep all of the rules in order for God, in order for you to be right with God. You still got to follow the Ten Commandments, even though you're under the grace of God. Now, I want you to know that is error. That is not true. And like I said, we're getting radical here. Amen. Now, now this, is, this is radical, but catch what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't live right. I'm not saying that we don't live a, a holy lifestyle. What I'm saying is that the fruit of the Christian life can never show up as a result of our performance. Now, now watch this. Anytime that we think that we must do in order to get God to do, we're actually operating under the law. We're actually operating in a performance-based mindset. And how many people, friends, have this mindset? You know, I gotta do to get God to do. If I don't do, God is not gonna do. I want you to know that is the law. Now grace, on the other hand, looks to Jesus. How many know it's all about Jesus? How many know our attention and our focus must be on Him? You see, grace looks to Jesus, and grace looks to his finished works, and, 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 and grace, uh, a, a, a person under grace, looks to Jesus and believes on Jesus. You believe on Jesus, and because you're believing on Jesus now, everything else flows out of your belief. I'm not saying that under grace there's no works. That's not what that scripture is saying. It's just talking about the works of the law. It's talking about performance-based religion. You see, you want to know the difference, friends, between works of the law, which is really works of the flesh, and watch this, works of faith. You see, your works of faith are things that you do that are born out of your faith in Jesus. In other words, I believe Jesus has already blessed me. I believe Jesus has already prospered me. I believe Jesus has already delivered me. And so now the works that I do, they flow out of my belief and my faith in the finished works of, of Christ. And so... You look to Jesus. The Bible says in uh, First, P First Peter, uh, excuse me, Second Peter, chapter one, verse three. He says that Jesus has already made available to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You see, and yet there's a lot of Christians who are trying to get things from God. Alex, I'm trying to get God to heal me. Alex, I'm I'm trying to get God to 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 meet my needs. Well, the truth is, friend, as a Christian, your job is not to try to get God to do anything for you. 
Your job is not to try to get him to do anything. No, your job is to believe that Jesus has already done it. You see, your job is to believe that Jesus has already provided what you need. And so now your faith is in Jesus. And when your faith is in Jesus, like I said, now that's going to give birth to works of faith. You see, works of faith are born out of your faith in Jesus. Works of faith are inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. And works of faith are motivated by love. Your motivation as a Christian should be love. Whereas works of the law, uh, performance-based works, are born out of obligation. I got to do this, otherwise I'm not going to be right with God. And so works of the law, watch this, they're born out of obligation. They are, they're forced upon the flesh. They're forced upon the flesh. Because I'm going to show you a little bit later on that the law was never meant for a born-again believer. The law is directed at your flesh. And so if you're performing to try to be right with God, you're, you're operating in the flesh, and these works that you're doing, they're literally like being forced upon your flesh. Amen. Uh, and, and works of the law are motivated by fear. And again, I'm contrasting that with works of faith motivated by your, or excuse me, born out of your faith in Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, motivated by love. And so we still do, but watch this, the purpose for our doing has changed. And so our job is to look to Jesus and watch that. When you look to Jesus, when you believe on him, man, when you live in dependence upon him, what happens is that now connects you with him on the heart level, man. And when you're connected to Jesus on the heart level, not, not mentally, I'm not talking about mentally ascent, you know, mentally having a mental ascent uh, in, in, in the finished works of Christ, but really on the heart level, you're connected to Jesus. Well, that now allows the spirit of grace, that now allows grace to work on the inside of you. That allows grace to become your teacher and your guide. You see, that is how heart transformation happens. I want you to understand that there is no transformative value in the law. Alex, what are you saying? I'm saying that a person who's performing to try to get something from God, a person who's performing to try to be right with God, uh, there's no transformation that happens. A transformation in the Christian life uh, doesn't happen through, through the works of the law. No, transformation happens by grace. And it really is, is letting grace work on the inside of us, letting grace transform us from the inside out. Uh, turn with me to the book of Titus, uh, chapter uh, 2. Titus chapter 2, uh, and we will get into this. Um, now, friends, what I uh, am going to be doing throughout this series, what the Lord has put on my heart is I'm really going to be uh, exploring and addressing some of the uh, misconceptions that people have when it comes to grace. I really believe that we have to address these misconceptions and uh, we have to get these out of the way in order for us to truly be able to operate uh, in everything that Jesus has already made available uh, to us. You know, in other words, there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, when it comes to grace. Uh, some people will say, Alex, by preaching too much grace, you're encouraging people to sin. Well, that is incorrect. Grace does not encourage people to sin. Uh, other people might say, uh, Alex, if you, if you preach too much grace, uh, people are going to get passive. They're not going to do anything anymore. That is incorrect. Now, these are all misunderstandings that people have about grace, and I want to really show you from Scripture that uh, these misunderstandings and these concerns people have when it comes to grace 
are incorrect. And really what I want you to see ultimately is that under grace we do not sin more, under grace we sin less. You see, the law performance keeps a person in bondage, grace sets people free. Now I said I want to talk about how grace teaches us and what you got to understand from the outset is that grace is not a curriculum. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a set of rules and principles. No, friend, grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen? The Bible says, Jesus, full of grace and truth. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus, and watch this. Grace is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace. And so we have to understand that in order to, to see how grace teaches us. Look at here in the book of Titus, chapter 2. And we'll get into this. Chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 11. Praise God. Uh, verse 11 says this. He says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Stop right there. Remember he said you can't mix grace with works. And so he says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation. He didn't say the works that bring salvation. <laughs> you see that? And so it's the grace of God the favor of God that brings salvation, that brings uh, healing, that brings deliverance, amen, whatever is needed. Now he says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now what he's saying is uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, first of all, how many know that's Jesus? Uh, Jesus is the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Again, Jesus full of grace and truth. And so what he's saying is that uh, Jesus has been made available to all men. He's been made available to every person on the planet. The word man here refers to mankind. It's not just talking about male. It's talking about mankind. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to mankind. And so in other words, that uh, salvation is a finished work. Salvation is a finished work. And I was sharing in our online Bible study the other day that Understanding that salvation is a finished work means that Jesus is not forgiving a person's sin the moment they believe on him. Did you catch that? That's radical. Your sins are not forgiven the moment that you believe on Jesus. No, friends, it's a finished work. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He's not going to get back on the cross the moment a person decides to believe on him. It's already done. It's already finished. And so the radical truth is, the Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And so the radical truth is that the sins of the world are already paid for. Sins of the world are already paid for. Now again, this opens the door to misunderstanding Pastor, are you saying then that people don't have to get born again? That's not what I'm saying. You see, the fact that your sins are paid for doesn't mean you're automatically saved. No. How many know that grace requires a positive response on our part? That positive response is, is faith. Amen. And so a person still has to make the decision to believe on Jesus in order for them to benefit from what he's already done for them. Amen. And so the sins of the world are paid for, and so what a person just has to do is, is to say, Lord, Lord, I believe. You know, uh, 
under this covenant of grace, in this dispensation of grace, I want you to know, a person doesn't go to hell for sinning. No, a person doesn't go to hell for sinning because Jesus has already paid for the sins of the world. The only thing that can send a person to hell is rejecting Jesus, is, is not believing on Jesus. Amen. Now, that's radical to understand because God doesn't require for a person to uh, get all their stuff in order. He doesn't require for you to perform and try to clean yourself up before you come to him. Where did that ever come from? Amen. No, God just needs your faith in Jesus. He says, believe on Jesus. Believe on the fact that he's already taken care of your sin and receive his grace and mercy. Amen. And so that's what he's saying, that uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now look at verse 12. He says, he says, teaching us. He says, teaching us. This grace of God that bringeth salvation is now teaching us. Grace is teaching us. Grace is teaching us. Grace is our teacher. Now, I asked before, it's important that we understand how grace teaches us. How grace teaches us. Now, we're going to look at that. Let's look at, first of all, uh, what grace teaches us. Amen. And then we'll look at how, how grace does that. Now, he says, uh, this grace is, is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so, friend, grace obviously is not teaching us to sin. Grace obviously is, is, is not a license to, to sin uh, because he's saying here that grace is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Now, verse 13 says, this is what grace is teaching us, says uh, it teaches us to look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, praise God, zealous of good works. Grace makes you zealous of good works. Zealous of good works means grace gives you a desire to do good works. You see, works are still involved under grace, but, but we, we got to understand the place and the position that these works uh, hold. Now let's go back to verse 12, where he says that grace is teaching us, uh, he's teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Now, now how is grace doing that? You see, the, the, I said earlier that, that the way that a person will answer this question is now going to show how well this person understands the, the, the covenant of grace. You see, somebody might think that grace uh, is teaching us like this. In other words, grace says, that, you know, it, it'll give you like a, a, a set of rules to follow. In other words, yeah, Alex, I can see grace is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Well, and so a person might think that means uh, grace is teaching us that we shall not have any ungodliness. Uh, we, sh we shall not have any worldly lusts. In other words, grace might teach us kind of like the Ten Commandments. It's like, thou shall not do this. You know, thou shall not have any ungodliness. Thou shalt not have any worldly lusts. Man, this is radical. <laughs> I hope you, you, you're buckling your seatbelts here. Amen. <laughs> we are breaking down some religious strongholds here. And so a person might think grace teaches us like that. And so grace says, you know, don't be ungodly. Don't have any worldly lusts. And then you work hard on, on trying not to be ungodly. You know, Alex, I'm going to try to get rid of these worldly lusts that I have. 
and, 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 and when I fall short, well, then there's forgiveness for that because I'm under grace. And so a person might have that uh, idea that that's how grace teaches, teaches you. I'm not going to ask how many people here think that way because I believe there's a lot of people. In other words, there's still a set of rules to follow, do right, but if you fall short, there'll be grace for it. Well, I'm submitting to you that that's not how grace teaches us. You see, what I'm submitting to you is that grace, as I said earlier, it's not a curriculum, it's not a doctrine. And watch this, grace is not intellectual. Grace is not something that you will be able to understand merely intellectually. No, grace must be known through the heart. And so watch this. Grace teaches us how. I said earlier, we, we need to understand that the, the person of grace and the spirit of grace. Person of grace is Jesus. Spirit of grace is the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can go over to Hebrews 10, 29. I want to look at that in the Amplified, uh, the last part of that verse. Um, and so the way grace is teaching us, we've got to understand that grace is alive on the inside of every born-again believer. In other words, when you, when you got born again, grace took up residence on the inside of you. Why? Because, you get, because Jesus came to live on the inside of you. Amen. You got Jesus living on the inside of you. How many of you are born again? If you're born again, Christ is on the inside of you. And so Jesus is the grace of God. And so grace is teaching you not by giving you a set of rules to follow, not by giving you a new set of thou shall not do this, thou shall not do that. No, grace is now teaching you, friend. I hope you can catch this. This is huge. Grace is now teaching you by working on the inside of you. Man, this is huge. Grace is teaching you by working on the inside of you, as you now, I said earlier, your job is to, to look to Jesus. And so as you behold Jesus, your attention is on Jesus. Your attention is not on, I got to get rid of this sin. No, your attention is on Jesus loves me. Jesus paid the price for, for, for whatever I did wrong, for, for all of my sins. It's already taken care of. Jesus loves me. Lord, I believe. I receive your love. You see, you believing on Jesus means you receive his love for you. And so when you receive his love that he has for you, when you understand that everything he did on that cross, man, he did it because he loves you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him, not that whosoever cleans up their life, but whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so you're believing on Jesus, you're looking, on Je you're looking at Jesus. As you do that, grace is working on the inside of you, man. Grace is now transforming you from the inside out. And so grace doesn't say, don't do this, don't do that. No, man, what grace will do is so much better, so much more powerful. What grace will do is going to take away, he's going to take away those desires. And so he teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, not by you struggling to get rid of ungodliness and worldly lusts. No, he teaches you by, by him working on the inside of you, him transforming your heart, and him taking away those desires. In other words, those ungodly desires, those worldly lusts, man, he's going to take away those desires. All of a sudden, one day, you're just going to find yourself, you're going to wake up, and all of a sudden, the, the things you used to want to do that were contrary to the will of God, uh, you're not going to want to do it anymore. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubit. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. Be sure to join me again tomorrow as we continue growing in our understanding of God's grace. Now to find out more about our ministry and to access the full-length audios of this and other teachings, simply head to alexrubitministries.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, go to alexrubitministries.org forward slash give. Now I pray that you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life, and I look forward to talking to you again on tomorrow's podcast.